Hi guys, welcome back to the Crypto Catch-Up. I'm Tommy. And I'm Ted. We are missing our, our main men this week, Pav, which is, uh, it's very sad, but it's actually a really happy time for, for him and his family. They have welcomed a new child into the world. So, you know, we, we've shout out Pav and congratulations to him and his lovely partner there. Yeah. Um, Can't wait yeah. to meet the little Pavanator. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, by God, they're a beautiful family. Oh, he's a beautiful man. He is a beautiful man. He is a beautiful Sometimes man. I get lost in his eyes when I'm on, when I'm on the pod and, you know. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. But guys, yeah, thanks for thanks for tuning in. Um, we've got a fair bit to cover today. Uh, good to have Ted back on for an honorary mention. We kind of sat him on the sidelines for a while, but, you know, he's back. He's back and he's bold and uh, hopefully going to come out with something quite outlandish. Did you say I'm bold or I'm bald? Bold. <laughs> not bald, no. You got yeah. to move it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, not yet. You're a bit not younger, less. Yeah. yeah, but that's all right. But yeah, we're going to touch on, I guess, uh, a bit of a recent run-up in the crypto markets, and I guess why we think that's happening. We've got a a bit of US traditional finance news to to talk about. We've got some new features at SwiftX that I'm going to briefly touch on, and then a couple of uh, market movements. Yeah, mate. Let's let's jump into it, Ted. What are you What are you seeing in the market overall? What are your thoughts? Well, mate. Obviously, the big news at the moment is the macro news out of the US. So they raised the US debt ceiling. Basically, what was happening is they were looking, well, potentially looking to default. And now they've Never averted that. Before, though, right? Never happened before. And they've kind of averted that. And so I guess the market reacted positively to that news. But Tommy, I'll, I'll be honest, mate. I'm not the macro guy. No. Pav's the macro guy and you're pretty good at itself. Pav's the macro guy. Listen, I, I mean, yeah, you can get into the technicals of macro if you want. At the end of the day, what it really means is more money has been printed. Yeah. We've seen what, what happens, the effects of money printing in the market throughout COVID and you know, basically since 1920. We've seen what that has done to the crypto market specifically. Any kind of, I guess, any assets in general, any investment classes, a lot of investment classes get get a lift when this happens. So I guess the market has kind of I guess it's pretty early to call it right now. But the markets have definitely reacted positively to the announcement of that debt ceiling being, being raised. Yeah. So two-week high for Bitcoin? Two-week high, yeah. Two-week high for Bitcoin. We've seen Bitcoin and ETH kind of, I don't want to say a rally. I mean, I've seen many publications saying that crypto is rallying again. It's like, I don't really subscribe to that right now. I mean, 3% and 4% on Bitcoin and ETH is not really a rally. I mean, we've seen some of the other coins as you go down the list, like Solana is up 5 or 6%. We've seen a couple of the other ones. Like, it is nothing major to report, but I guess it is it is definitely some positive news. I guess over the last six weeks, we've seen nothing but sideways movement. So, you know, we all know that the market and investors hate sideways trading. Like, it's not good for long traders. It's not good for short traders. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily see that that volatility in movement. So, yeah, people get a bit bored. <laughs> and what you see is lower trading volumes. People are just not as interested or active across the market. So... Yeah, I mean that's a key one for me that we're. That it was a nice change. It was a nice change. Yeah, and just just on you mentioned publications are are talking about you know the recent rally as they're calling it. Yeah. You featured in a couple of publications in the last couple of days, Did, didn't you? Isn't it? Tell us about that. This is big time. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't call it big time, but I mean, yeah, no, it's good. Listen, we've got um we've got an amazing PR team at SwiftX. When I say a PR team, PR guy. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Tom Matthews. Shout out Tom. Who's, uh, who's on a flight back to the UK at the moment to visit some family. So um, I'm sure he'll be having a bit of fun for the next two weeks. But uh, yeah, we were we we were featured in uh, in a Bloomberg article yesterday and we were actually across the Australian as well. So speaking to my my countryman, James Kirby from, um, from the Australian there, which 
we're starting to get a little bit of interest in crypto again, which which uh, you know is is always pleasing. It's very topical on publications like that. Mm-hmm. They they only talk about it when something kind of big happens or or when they think something big is going to happen. So. So yeah, I mean that's that's a bit of extra interest to come back in the market. So we'll we'll see how we go. But uh, thanks for shouting me out, mate. That's- just just promise me you won't get too big for your boots and and leave us. No, know, know your roots. Definitely not, mate. Definitely. Okay, not. good. Where my heart, my heart is here on tapping into crypto. And we'll we'll keep the good times rolling. We're gonna have a lot to cover into the next cycle. So I heard it here first. He ain't leaving. Yeah, mate. I did want to touch on as well. Shout out, I guess, to our uh, product engineering team at SwiftX. We just launched a new feature called Portfolio Transfer. Mm-hmm. So did want to kind of shout that out early as well. Essentially think of it as a, you know, if you've got a, a shares account or a stock account with like Comsec and you want to move it across to um, likes of Stake or one of these companies, you can actually port your portfolio over to another platform. So we've built that for crypto. So it's actually, it is actually an industry first, like brand new industry first feature that that hasn't been built anywhere else before. So yeah, really, really happy with that. And a lot of people are are diving into that. Essentially it it takes the a little bit of the risk out of it for users, like getting your addresses wrong. We we essentially pull it all via API, so it's all just scraped. And then your portfolio from um, a couple of other exchanges are, are dropped directly into SwiftX. So it's a nice kind of clean way of, of doing it. Um, and then we cover the fees as well. So all your fees are covered. If there, if there are any fees, they are covered um, and rebated back to your SwiftX account. So it's pretty cool, man. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, one click kind of transfer option um, we have a couple of exchanges on there at the moment, but we will be kind of looking to to add more as well over the coming kind of weeks and months. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. We've, we've we've had a good um we've had a good some really good feedback on it so far, and yeah, we're looking to build out more kind of innovative features like this as the months go on. Mate, it's sick. It's awesome. Like seriously, congrats on it's such a huge step. Obviously, you said it was the first time, first exchange to do this in the world. That's I think. right. Yeah. So, I've done it myself. Nice. And I moved a few assets over to SwiftX and it's literally like such a quick process because I always hate sending crypto from wallet to wallet. You yeah, know, you always get a bit nervous, you get a bit stressed and yeah. you, you've always got to send the test amount. It's a bit of a, a clunky process. Um, but mate, this is awesome to see. Yeah, we think, I mean, we th- we believe there's a use case. There's absolutely a use case in market. You don't get a lot of white space in industries at times. So I guess this was this was one that we kind of leaned into and yeah, we've got it out and it's in market. So yeah, kind of came to get feedback as quickly as possible and build out and iterate on it if we need to going forward. So and just and just tell them how they can how they can do that. Oh yes, yeah, so when you're in a SwiftX account and you go to transfer crypto, you'll see a new a new icon on the top essentially, a new option that says transfer portfolio, and then it'll bring you through. It'll open up a new page here and bring you through all the steps. So cool. Available on web, available on app. It's um yeah, it is it is key to read the instructions. True, there's a there's a there's a little bit in it from the. Um, other exchange side but um, yeah it's it's been pretty successful for a lot of people so far so yeah keen to see more people leaning into that but um, Matt what have we got in the top movers this week top movers a bit of a mixed bag and this one bit of a fruit salad as I like to say <laughs> Do you um, eat fruit salads oh, on the odd occasion but okay. <laughs> not my go to no you chocolate cake yeah no I like Big Macs and yeah <laughs> very much yeah Right, now that we've got that put to me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if there's any sort of trend playing out in the current top movers over the last seven days. You're seeing IOTA, the top, Quant, NEO, some coins that we haven't really seen in that in yep. those top five for quite some time, especially NEO. But I've got some interesting data around like year-to-date top movers. So, in a bear market, typically Bitcoin and ETH outperform most of the market or the entire market. But just in the last or sort of since the start of the year, we've seen a few different coins in the top eight that have outperformed the two the two blue chips, as we'd like to say. 
So in the top 50, we've had Pepe, obviously. Like Pepe is a bit of an anomaly. Even still after the yeah the, the big run up and in the correction it's still in the it's still in the top movers yeah massive mate the year yeah RPL so Rocket Pool obviously Brizzy Boys we know them quite well and LDO so Lido Dow they're some of the top movers this year so I guess the trend there is the the liquid staking eats eat staking eat staking kind of an um yeah angle yeah so it'll be interesting to see if that continues to play out now that the Shanghai upgrade with ETH has already happened yeah Pat uh, and I touched on it a couple of weeks ago it was. I guess there's an argument on both sides that I guess A, nobody's going to want to use liquid staking protocols anymore because ETH mm. itself, like on chain, is liquid now. You don't have to lock it up for an you know, unspecified period of time. Yeah. But there's also like the B answer or side to that question is, you know, people can still use these liquid staking protocols for a number of other assets. They can also still use it for ETH, but then have utility with their ETH. When it's, mm. so it's, not, it's essentially locked up, but it's not locked up because you get the staked ETH token. So... Gotcha. For me, I always explain it to people like the don't understand liquid staking. It's like it's like double dipping on your staking, mm. you know, because that's essentially what it is. Because you can do other things with the with with the token that you get back once you stake the real it. So, like yeah, it's, it, it's yeah, it's an well, it's an interesting narrative, right? Like you often hear about double dipping with credit card spending, and you know, people get rewards here and there. But it's it's kind of a similar, you know, it's obviously not the same thing. There's a lot of technicals to go underneath it, but it's a similar type of approach. Mm. People want to earn 4 or 5% over here from staking Ethereum, then want to get the token from one of the liquid staking providers and then do something else with that, like lend it and, yep. and earn more percentage. So it's all about just trying to increase their earning potential. Yeah, so there's there's 100% still utility. Sure, exactly right, exactly right. Cool, and I'll just touch on a few others. So Phantom, FTM's in there. I know they've been moving towards or big focus on gaming and NFTs, so that's that's one to keep an eye on. And STX, so Stacks, big trend this year, Bitcoin ordinals. Yep. So to break that down for a simple user base or a beginner user base, I should say, it's basically NFTs on Bitcoin, isn't it? Yeah. So it's something that never really was envisioned for Bitcoin when it started out because NFTs didn't really exist. But now looking at the utility of, of NFTs and how Ethereum's kind of adopted it, it's it's kind of like some Bitcoin developers have looked to to compete against that it's expanding on the use cases overall exactly on the bitcoin network i guess i mean your traditionalists your bitcoin maximalists are probably mm. largely not in favor of it i would say like they want to bitcoin is bitcoin and they want to keep it as it is it doesn't need to have a kind of a in quotes smart contract yeah for it to um i guess develop into the you know for future use cases but it is quite interesting to see the adoption and obviously um, Stacks Token is one that has has benefited greatly from that because mm. they essentially run the platform for for people to mint the ordinals. I actually did one myself. It was a couple of months back now, but the process itself, yeah, was was pretty good. People do it often on OpenSea and, and places like this yep. on Ethereum and Medic. Yeah, basically did, it was a pretty similar process. It took a little bit longer on the transaction because you're going on the Bitcoin network. Yep. It takes a little bit longer for the confirmations. But everything else was pretty similar. Like a charge, charged in Bitcoin, it costs about ten US dollars to go and do the mint or something like that. But um, yeah, I just did it more as an experiment. To yeah. Do but uh, yeah. but yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, it's it's interesting to see use cases expanding in Bitcoin when I guess so much of the narrative is that Bitcoin doesn't need to do anything else. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see if if you know if use cases build out across the BTC network. Yeah, one to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah. And um, lastly, I'll just mention Sol. So Sol got caught up and had a bit of a shocking end to 2022 mm. with the FTX downfall. 
but it's up 109% year to date. So there's still a lot of, you know, activity on Seoul, like yeah. a lot of developers, a lot of activity, you know, they're, they're bringing out new new work and new use cases. And um, they launched a phone, I believe. The phone. phone, yeah, the Seoul phone. Yeah. I think they partnered with, with Google in some capacity as well. Yeah. So I don't think count out Seoul just yet. I know it's a, it's a big competitor to Ethereum, but I think there's room for more than one you know, oh, I agree. Layer one uh, contract platform. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, it's yeah. There's not going to be only one game in town. I mean, they're they were saying that about Bitcoin. Even they were saying that about Ethereum back mm. even three, four years ago. They were saying that about Ethereum. But now, you know, now Ethereum's kind of been established as the second option or the you know the yep. second blue chip option. I don't know what's the closest for third. Mm. <laughs> if you were to put the next one in there, probably. By volume, you're looking at even Tether or some one of the stable yeah. coins, but it's really, yeah, it's interesting to see, like, you know, we talk about this a lot when we're um, assessing token mapping and regulation and licensing and, and what's going to come, I guess, in Australia specifically. We look at the amount of assets and, and I guess there is definitely a, a feeling or a belief that there will be, you know, a much smaller offering when it comes to assets in market, you know, mm -hmm. over the next few years. So yeah. That will likely shrink, yep. I would say, like in terms of like when the new regulations come in around token mapping and mm -hmm. things like that and what they, where they're actually classified and, and where they need to sit. So yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting. But mate, you had, um, you had a bit of China stuff to take us through as well. Yeah, I know we've talked about this a little bit before. Hong Kong's taking a bit of a, a big step to legalizing crypto. So that's coming into play on June 1st. So by the time this comes out, that should be official. But the big story here is obviously mainland China has always had a bit of a, you know, a negative relationship towards crypto. Well, sometimes. Pav and I always joke about it's like China FUD. Yeah. You have yeah. China FUD, you have India FUD. China FUD, yeah. And then we have in this year we've had SEC FUD or SEC. last year we've had SEC FUD. Yeah. But the China FUD stuff usually is like China are pro Bitcoin and then everyone's like, oh, awesome. This yeah. is great. The market pumps. And then China say, oh, we're banning Bitcoin. It's like, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a flip-flop, right? So, yeah. you're, not, is, you're not suggesting that they're trying to take advantage of the markets. No, I'm definitely not saying that they are planning to build and have built their own CBDC projects that they want to roll out <laughs> to their individual users or their population. Definitely not saying anything like that. Of course. But um, yeah, I mean, what, break us down, break this one down for us anyway. Yeah, so like I said, June 1st, retail investors in Hong Kong are going to be able to trade BTC, ETH and, and a number of other large cap coins. So I think there's 10 in total. So the way they've worked those out, you're talk talking about token mapping before, the way they've figured out how and what coins people can trade to start with is all the ones that are listed in the major crypto indexes. Right. So I think there's 10 in total. You're looking at, like I said before, Solana, Cardano, Chainlink was in there, Litecoin as well. So the big ones. But yeah, I think it's an interesting story because I guess they might be using this as a testing ground, mainland China that is, to see if like crypto adoption is something they want to want to look more closely at in the future. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's, it was actually part of what I talked to um, James Kirby about yesterday as well was, you know, it's, I don't think you, you put all your eggs in the basket that China are going to, you know, now turn completely pro crypto, but I guess it is, it's a, it is a step in the right direction for us. Like it's a, it's a huge market, right? Yeah. You can't discount the size of the market. You know, there's a lot of capital within that market, a lot of people to service. So yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's interesting how the, the crypto markets do react on the back, off the back of China news and, and continue to do that. But yeah. it is one we, we need to watch closely. You know, I guess inversely, if they do an about turn on this again, which they've done many times before, it's likely to have negative impacts again on the crypto market. So yeah, I guess we're not, I don't think we're out of the woods yet when it comes to China, but I guess all of these pieces of news that come out, 
when I hear things like registered and regulated platforms, that kind of says to me that there's a bit more stickiness. Mm. Like they're not going to do the work and spend the money on getting it onto a regulated platform just to go and pull the rug on it again, I guess, you know, in a short period of time. So the markets will do what they will do, but I guess it's definitely promising to see this kind of development within China. So definitely. And um, Tommy, this is a this is a story that you won't really shut up about in the office. I'll be honest. Which one? The ledger. Yeah. Story. Yeah, ledger. So. Yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of ledger haters out there at the moment. I mean, yeah. you know, I I love ledger. Like, let's put it out there. I think they're a great business. They've been the kind of the gold standard in in you know offline self custody wallet solutions for pretty much since I've been in crypto and probably yeah I can remember when they actually launched. Everyone was a bit skeptical about them at the time, like they were with every other wallet. You know. It pays to be skeptical, I guess, in crypto a lot of the time. So, yeah, I mean, to break it down for people that were not aware of the story, Ledger have essentially announced just recently they were launching a recover service. So an understanding with self-custody across crypto wallets is you need to manage your own private keys. Basically, your private keys are your password to get in. If you lose it, you lose access to your crypto. We've all seen horror stories across the industry with guys sifting through dump sites trying to get like private keys that they've lost and pieces of paper with shit written down on them essentially so it's a big pain point in the industry the fact that you can kind of lose your keys people are generally not that responsible with thing like you know as a as a whole yeah <laughs> i was talking about you ted obviously you were, no no that's I actually i think i can see your private key just sticking out your top pocket as i look at you now so Damn. hopefully we don't get that one on camera but <laughs> yeah no listen long, long story short the recover service allows people to kind of opt in. It's like a paid service where you can have a ledger managed part of your key. And if you did lose the other part of your key, basically the, the bit that you're managing yourself, ledger can back up your device. Yeah. So I guess the reason people are going a bit crazy over that, there's like this massive community backlash there has been for the last couple of weeks. And basically due to the security concerns that ledger could at any time reach into your wallet obtain your private keys and essentially control the assets that you have yeah which you know it's understood in the market that nobody can do that it's completely kind of self-custody so it actually caused ledger themselves their chief technology officer charles gulliment he came out on twitter he did twitter spaces they've been absolutely all over the place in market long story short they've actually wound back the release so they decided not to release the feature right now the main worry for users for me and you know i use Ledger myself, is that Ledger do push firmware upgrades when you connect your Ledger to the internet or to your to your laptop to do signing. You don't have to do it all the time, but, you know, when you do connect it, they do try to push kind of firmware up- upgrades through. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess the question people will be asking, well, should I trust Ledger anymore? Like, I think Ledger are still fine. Like, I, I wouldn't obviously do your own due diligence on these things, but they have decided not to roll out the feature for now. My personal view on it is Ledger are fine. I think they've always tried to do the right thing. I think they've probably overlooked some of the community sentiment and yep. they've kind of just not ticked one box in this whole release schedule. But it, like this feature, to clarify, absolutely solves the problem in the market. Mm. People are irresponsible with private keys and there needs to be a, I don't know what the solution is right now, but there needs to be a process for people to not have to rely on only themselves managing a a line of paper or a password or a piece of code. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, they're absolutely solving a problem in market, but yeah, it's obviously not been well received by by a lot of the industry. So, yeah. you know, they've, they've had to take a bit of an about turn on it for now, but let's see how it plays out over time. Yeah. yeah I mean, the Ledger reputation speaks for itself, right? They've come this far and they've got a stellar reputation. But I don't know, for me, 
you said before, I'm terrible at losing things. Like I misplace things. I lose my keys all the time and never know where I put things. So I wouldn't trust myself yeah. alone with a ledger yeah. or with any hardware wallet where I can't recover those keys. So just having that in the back of your mind gives you peace of mind. Like I know there's sometimes a lack of trust in this industry, particularly with certain events that have played out sure. with certain exchanges. But for me, I think it's a, it's a no-brainer. Like, but I'm not part of the ledger community, so I can't really speak for them. But I would just be more comfortable having that in the back of my mind that if anything were to go wrong, if shit hits the fan, yep. ledger's got my back and they can find it. Yeah, Le- ledger are a you know, multi, multi-million dollar company as well. Like, I mean, yeah. yes, there's a lot of value probably sitting on ledger technology, like yeah. offline, but I don't think as a business you know, it would serve them well to go and start taking people's crypto out of their wallets. Like, no. you know, I mean, <laughs> maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm being too trustworthy on this, but yeah, I mean, the alternative really is that users, you know, they can pick another wallet, of course, but the alternative for users is leaving their assets on exchanges all of the time, right? Yeah. Which we've seen in 2022 for certain players, that didn't work out very well. So yeah, yeah I guess, you know, keen for people not to get scared or torn away from self-custody because of a story like this, because... Yeah. You know, there's a lot more elements to play into it. Yeah, no, and just I'll just throw it out there. But we've all heard the stories of people losing like their wallet, and it had like I don't know, twenty million Bitcoin on it. Yeah, twenty million dollars in Bitcoin. That is. Yeah. Um, and the horror stories about like them climbing through dumpsters trying, yeah, exactly trying to right. find it. So yeah, I don't know. I guess yeah. there'd be no more of those. Yeah, I mean, it just it solves a problem, but it's a problem that I think the, maybe the market and the industry is just not ready to accept. Yeah. With this solution right now, but yeah. Yeah, Matt, we'll we'll definitely follow it and see if they turn around again or if they if they build some kind of a, a new process or a new feature into it, you know, yeah. that puts people's minds at ease. But yeah. Matt Bali, you, you just came back from Bali and now you have a story on Bali. I just came Did back. You get this from Bali? What this is a this is my own source story. Right. So I You went direct to source? Yes, it was a I'm a journalist oh. and I went over for to do so journalist work. Those weird glasses are that you wear. Yeah. <laughs> No, this is one I came across and I thought it was interesting because I did just come back from Bali and, and us Aussies, we tend to like to go to Bali and, you know, have a few cocktails on the beach. Okay. You know, that, that might just be me. But, yeah, this is you. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, Bali is essentially putting a ban on tourists to pay with crypto. So Bali pretty come strict on. with some things like, me. I don't know if you've heard the Chappelle Corby case and yeah, I have. stuff like yeah. that. So they're putting, what's what's the quote they said? People who use crypto as a means of payment and violate other provisions will be dealt with firmly. So that um that's kind of intimidating, knowing you know their past with certain people breaking the law. So I guess if you're planning on going to Bali and spending crypto, I would try and go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, when I was in Bali, it's mainly cash, and I know they're trying to pump up their own currency as opposed to like so they brought in these laws so you know the US USD wasn't coming and used and and so like they don't have hyperinflation, which is a, an issue that. I guess we're seeing a lot of other countries around the world, particularly ones that are starting to adopt Bitcoin. So I, I can see it from their side. Yeah. Um, we obviously want to see widespread adoption of crypto wherever wherever possible, right? But at the same time, they need to. Yeah. They, they have a role to play. It's interesting because, like, we know our, our mate Ben Simpson from Corrective Shift. Yeah. Ben is a self-proclaimed digital nomad. No. Yeah. So he goes and he he works overseas. I know he he's always on the road anyway, but he's spending time in Thailand at mm-hmm. the moment. So it's interesting, like, because I know Ben uses, he spends crypto in a few different ways when mm. he's traveling. So I hadn't heard that there was any kind of changes in the law. So it'd be interesting to see if that spreads 
like towards Thailand as well, or if it's like Bali in Thailand for me, or <laughs> like they're often similar in terms yeah, of yeah. like how they, yeah, how policies are implemented and, and yeah. like their their stance on certain things like that. So mm. yeah, it's going to be going to be interesting there. I thought it was, uh, I was quite surprised when I seen this one come out actually. So yeah, I mean, like you don't need to see too many of these places actually banning crypto. You see most of them trying to adopt it. So yeah. I guess it goes both ways. Mm. I think it kind of plays into a larger, it was actually a conversation I had last week in an event in Sydney. We were talking about like just the evolution of e-commerce and mm. payments in general. And there isn't a world that anyone in that industry foresees where crypto isn't accepted as a standard method of payment in the next even two years, mm. to be honest. So these are companies that are like specifically payment companies as well. They're all looking for the right type of of solution to accept crypto. They don't want to keep crypto, so they, they don't want to have coin or Ethereum like on their books or on their, yep. uh, as part of their treasury. Yep. But they do want the facilitation of, of crypto coming through. So they, they don't want to say no to any value that's coming in. Yeah, I think one of the guys, he used the analogy of like, if I come in with five chickens, I want to be able to swap those five chickens for my new pair of Nike runners or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yep. like that's the evolution of payments. Like it's going to continuously build out to accept almost you know anything that that somebody's coming in that wants to do um do business so so what needs to happen in order for it to be like an everyday thing that we use and it's it's seamless it's like the card we use now like what what, what steps do we need to take to, to get there yeah i mean that the taxation issue is a big one that needs to be overcome like every at the moment every time you you tap is essentially like a capital gains it's yeah. against tax event. Mm-hmm. So that's a big issue that needs to be dealt with. So I guess the the underlying volatility in the market kind of means ten dollars that I had today that I want to spend might be worth only six dollars tomorrow yeah. or worth twenty dollars. So it only really makes sense right now if you know your investment is moving in the right direction. Mm, true. So you know, people cannot really rely on rely on it as, as a base. We've all seen the issues with stable coins. I mean, I think there is a world where there is a you know an Aussie dollar, but well, we already have them in market, but like an Aussie dollar stable coin that people yeah. can definitely use and have kind of um, good remittance use cases and and yeah, yeah, global yeah. payments through like an Aussie dollar stable coin. But the stable coin conversation, I guess we could dig into that again, but you know, they've had their own problems across mm. that kind of a product as well. So yeah. listen, it'll get fixed. Yeah. It'll absolutely get solved. These things don't happen overnight. No, they don't happen overnight. But I mean, I guess going back to the point is, we absolutely think that crypto will be a you know long and continued form of payment into the future. So that's absolutely something that I'm keeping in mind from the SwiftX side as well. <laughs> awesome. I love to hear it. Tommy, got a quick one for you. A couple months ago, you mentioned that you were hot on the gaming trend. At least you were keeping a keen eye on it. Is that still the case? Yeah, I mean... It absolutely is still the case. We haven't seen much activity, I guess, in that space. I think there's a lot of the projects that people would be asking about and think about are continuing to build to this market. I mean, are we still in the bear market is what I would ask you. So you've said it a couple of times on the podcast from the bear market. Pav and I have talked about yeah. some of the market trends and movements that would like almost argue against us being in a bear market, like certain assets outperforming Bitcoin and ETH. You mentioned yeah. it earlier. Yeah, I guess my point is, I don't think the market has sufficiently got into its next run or period of velocity for us to to look at this too much more closely. But gaming, crypto and gaming is absolutely something that I think is going to be like big in future. Yeah. What projects win out overall? I don't know that right now. I will do a bit more research on it and maybe touch base again next week. But yeah, I mean, gaming as a sector, yeah, is absolutely. I mean, gaming overall globally is increasing. Yeah. Like tenfold across the globe 
pretty much every year. So that will continue to to play out. I guess we, you know, what we need to see is we need to see a tangible real world use case and a game that comes out based on crypto properties, based on the blockchain mm. that people actually want to use. And yeah. Play, right. Like, they don't just want to use it for the ability to earn crypto. They want to play it. They want to play it because they want to play it because it's a good game. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly right. So, I mean, it's, it's less about the adoption of a blockchain-based game, but more so on the projects actually releasing a game that people want. Yeah. And, and, you know, the rest comes hand in hand. Like, some of the times I talk to people that, you know, are crypto adverse or like, you know, not promoters of crypto, people that don't believe in it. And like, we always talk about crypto needs get to a place where we have no idea we're interacting with crypto or mm-hmm. blockchain or anything, right? Mm-hmm. People just, people don't care about it. Realistically, most people, don't really care about it. unless you work in the industry or you work directly with one of these blockchain projects. Most people do not care. They just want to go and do the thing yeah. or have the thing done for them yeah. easily. So it's all about, you know, user experience and ease of life mm. for people these days. And, and that's that's where crypto and blockchain, I think, can absolutely solve problems. But people don't really want, they don't really care what the underlying technology is, whether it's yeah. a new banking payment service that the RBA and Commonwealth Bank build or if it's a crypto blockchain based payment service that's mm-hmm. built, like they just want the problem solved yeah. at the end of the day. So I think people try to dig in a little bit too much to like retrofitting blockchain into everything, yep. right? Like it doesn't actually have to be be like that. Yep. Start with the use case, start with the problem that's trying to be solved and kind of work backwards from that, mm. <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. What have we got? Oh, I got one for you, Matt. I got one for you. Come on, mate. Far away. What assets are you watching, Matt? Like, Pav and I have been harping on about Litecoin a fair bit. Yeah. Because we have the Litecoin halving coming mm. up in the next, ooh, what's it? Oh, no. I think- it, 50 we, days or so. Yeah. In around the 50 days. Maybe, no, nah, I think Less? little 60. 60? Yeah. Right I know. So. Yeah, man, I'm, I've been keeping an eye on Litecoin, obviously. I like to listen to the pod. I like to listen to you boys chat about that and give you your insights. Another one that I think I've talked about before when I've come on here is is a lot of the, the layer two. So the layer two scaling solutions. Yeah. The big ones, um, sixty-two days. Sixty-two days. Okay. And sixteen I didn't hours. Say sixty. And sixteen so, hours. There you go. Bang. Yeah. He's Put good. in your calendar. He is good. I'm good. But yeah, layer twos. So the big ones we're looking at: Arbitrum, Optimism, Polygon as well. Why I'm interested is I was looking at a chart the other day, and it's on. I think the site is L2Beat. I will chuck it in the show notes. But the chart shows ETH mainnet transactions, and it shows that it being being very stable, being very flat. And then it shows layer two transactions on ETH. And this thing is just climbing and climbing and climbing. And and I don't know if we, we want to say if we're in a bear market, but we have been in a bear market recently. Sure. And despite that, it's still climbing. Mm-hmm. And so I think leading into the next cycle, I think it will become a lot more common for people to interact with the Ethereum blockchain, but through a layer two. Layer two, yeah. And what well, we even seen when Pepe was pumping the other day, mm. look, remember the, um, the ETH gas fees we're gone crazy, right? Yeah, like massive. people were paying 100, 150 US dollars to make a transaction on Uniswap. Yeah. Some of the other DEXs, like to transfer your EAT yeah. in and out, your Pepe in and out. People were just paying an absolute fortune, getting pretty much wrecked on fees. So mm. yeah, L2's solved that, fixed that, as they say in crypto, like yeah. um, L2 fixes this. But yeah, it's it's definitely one, like people are just not, people are going to get pissed off with that again. Once we go into the next bull run, we're going to have more usage, more people on Bitcoin, more yeah. people on ETH. And 
yeah, the same problems are likely to occur because the core of that problem has not been solved yet by Ethereum. So yeah. it's absolutely one that's going to resurface, you'd imagine. I think the idea to understand is Ethereum is not going away and it won't be going away anytime soon. But these just basically provide a way to optimize the process of sending oh. ETH and sending different assets across the ETH or within the Ethereum ecosystem. Yeah. And so I think L2s are, are going to be here for some time and something that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on. Yeah, no, mate, I would agree with that. I think we've, we have touched on it. We've been watching them pretty closely through the last run. And yep. I think it's, there's something that we'll have legs again in the next run. Yeah. And Coinbase even partnered with Optimism to launch their own. That's right. Layer two. That's so right. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, cover, we covered that one a couple of months back. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 That's absolutely one. Yeah. There's no, no token yet, but I think that's what everyone's kind of keeping a keen eye on and see if yeah. Coinbase end up launching their own. You know, well, I don't think they can because they're publicly listed on yeah, yeah, I, I'm unsure of the yeah. the the exact rules around that, but um, yeah. yeah, it's it's essentially they've said that they they don't have any plans. Yeah, anyway. okay. but I mean these things you never are always quite fluid. Yeah, yeah, keep so, cards close to your chest. Exactly right, exactly right. But um, Matt, it was great to catch up today. Covered a, covered a bit of ground. We did without Pav. He said we couldn't do it without him. Well, guess what? Yeah, Pav, we just did it. We did it. We might have made a balls of it, but we did. <laughs> See how it turns out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. But, Thanks, Tommy. Yeah, no worries, Matt. Thanks, guys, for tuning in again. We will absolutely see you guys again next week for the uh, catch-up. Have see a good you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.